Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to 90 Day with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be breaking down 90 Day Fiancé Season 9, Episode 15, Last Sip Single. The episode opens with Kara and Guillermo, and it's their wedding day. Guillermo feels ready and happy to marry Kara, and Kara is in tears, excited about getting ready for her big day. Guillermo knows he and Kara have problems, like Kara controlling him and Kara going out and drinking. And Guillermo knows 90 days isn't enough time to tackle those problems. But he knows he will be better for Kara and Kara will be better for him. Guillermo knows that in the future, they will make a beautiful relationship together. Kara feels good that she planned a bigger wedding for Guillermo because Guillermo deserves to have what he wants in his wedding as well. Guillermo wishes that his family could be here and his brothers especially could be there, especially the one who passed because Guillermo and his brother who passed used to talk a lot. Guillermo is ready to get married and he is trying to be positive because he knows his family supports him and he knows all will be well in the future. Kara feels every step of this journey with Guillermo has been worth it and it's the first time in her life Kara feels that anyone is worth all of that energy. Guillermo is happy his family will be able to watch the wedding and he put flowers at the place where his brother who passed would have sat to honor him. Guillermo was nervous, waiting at the altar for Kara to arrive. Next up are Emily and Kobe. They've got just five days to wed. Emily mentions how Kobe is tired after hanging with temperature all night last night. Emily is driving Kobe and temperature to the house, and they are speaking in their language, and Emily wants them to speak English because she doesn't know what they are saying. Kobe mentions to Temperature in their language that this is what he has been going through just the way Temperature sees Emily behaving now. Temperature advises Kobe to stand firm. This is so rude to do to Emily, talking shit about her in a language she can't understand as she is driving them. Temperature asks Kobe if he understands And Temperature says if Kobe starts being too lenient with Emily, then she will expect him to be that way with her all of the time. He warns Kobe of this. Emily asks what Kobe and Temperature are talking about. She asks them to please speak English in the car. Emily explains that they just had lunch with Kobe's friend Temperature, and Emily says things got heated because Temperature was talking to Kobe about how he is in control. He is the man and how they are from Cameroon and the men back in Cameroon take charge and the women are supposed to follow the man's lead. Now, that makes Emily question if this is how Kobe feels about her. Emily welcomes Temperature to Kobe's new home and Temperature complains in his language that the cold is too much. Kobe asks if it's cold like this in Columbus. Last episode, of course, Temperature let Kobe know there is a big African community in Columbus, Ohio, where he lives. 
So he suggested that Kobe and Emily relocate. Emily graciously invited Temperature back to the house to show him where Kobe is living, even after he was so rude and disrespectful to Emily and her family. Emily says it meant a lot Kobe to have Temperature there, so she didn't want any bad blood before the wedding. Kobe shows Temperature the basement and he tells him this is the area he lives in in their language. And Emily again asks that they please speak in English so she can understand. It's very rude to speak another language when there are people around involved in the conversation who do not speak that language, especially when they are being incredibly hospitable to you. You can speak their language, temperature knows how to speak English, and yet he chooses to speak his language to talk shit around the person who can't understand, Emily. Emily tells temperature the basement area is Kobe's little kingdom. Kobe shows temperature the rooms downstairs, and temperature says it's a nice place. Emily asks if he likes the house, and he does. Thank God temperature approves. But Temperature tells Emily he's just hoping his friend will get his papers fast so Kobe and Emily can have their own home. Emily just says, mm-hmm. She doesn't like Temperature's level of interference, and I wouldn't either. Temperature tells Emily it's not easy to live where you don't have people to communicate with or to hang out with. Temperature tells Emily he thinks she and Kobe should relocate to Columbus, Ohio. It's a good idea, he says. They're talking about millions of Cameroonians and Africans there. Emily tells Temperature they aren't moving to Columbus. Temperature says Columbus would be a good place. Emily is taken aback by Temperature suggesting they move. In my opinion, this is not Temperature's place whatsoever and he is crossing more boundaries than I can count on my 10 fingers just throughout this first day with Emily and her family. If it was me, temperature would be excused from the lunch and I wouldn't even have let him see the house I live in because he doesn't know his place. He seems to think that it's okay to interfere in Kobe's relationship with Emily. And the way he behaved in front of Emily's family was disrespectful and rude. And now he wants to interfere to advise Emily where they should live. I really hope Emily draws the line soon, because if it was me at the lunch, it would have been done by now. If Temperature likes his culture and he likes to do his life that way, that's fine. That's his life. But he cannot expect to come in with a superior attitude in another country, expecting his ways to be imposed on Emily, who is American. He cannot interfere in her relationship or discuss the move before Kobe has even discussed these things with her. Emily says temperature is stepping out of line. He's not in this relationship. He's not marrying Kobe and he doesn't have a kid on the way. So he doesn't need to sit there and put his two cents in to her fiancé about moving to Ohio. And he is being pretty intense about it, Emily says. Emily tells Temperature she and Kobe have a lot going on right now, so they need to stay close to family for at least a couple of years. 
Temperature tells Emily it sounds like she is the one making the decisions, and he asks her if she has discussed that with Kobe already. Temperature says no. He answers for both Kobe and Emily, and he tells Emily she is just telling Kobe about what they are going to do and how it will go. Kobe tells Emily that doesn't sound right. If I was marrying someone who allowed their friend to behave that way at lunch and then allows their friend to speak to me about private issues in such a forceful way on top of it without stepping in and letting the friend know that it's unacceptable and a boundary, I probably wouldn't marry Kobe because I wouldn't want that type of husband who would allow his friends to cross boundaries with me or interfere in our relationship. Temperature is speaking for Kobe, and Kobe just allows it. He isn't behaving the way a husband should, or a decent man would, in my opinion. Kobe says before coming to America, he didn't think he was going to miss his community. But Temperature said a lot of things that made him think a lot, that could possibly change his future with Emily. Kobe tells Emily they need to talk about that again, where they will live and how long they will stay at her parents' house or in Salina. Kobe tells Emily in front of temperature that right now she is making the decision, telling him what she wants them to do. And Emily says she was just saying hypothetically they will probably stay there for at least two years. And Kobe asked Emily if they discussed that previously. Emily asks if Kobe wants to get his green card and work permit and move to Columbus. And Kobe asks if he said that. And Emily tells Kobe she is asking him. Kobe says he is so tired of fighting all the time. Temperature gets the same constipated look he had at the lunch, talking about how men are in control. When Emily's parents had to step in and explain that Kobe is marrying an American woman and not a Cameroonian. So both he and Emily will have things to adjust to in the marriage. Temperature tells Emily to remember she is starting a new life and she is building a new family with those two kids. He says she needs to be in her environment. And Emily is pissed that Kobe told about her pregnancy. He tells Temperature to stop. Emily is pissed and she asks Kobe, you told him because the pregnancy was supposed to be a secret between herself and Kobe. Emily asks Kobe why he would fucking do that. And Kobe asks her, what the fuck do you mean? Why would I fucking tell him? He's my friend. Emily tells Kobe he wasn't supposed to tell anybody. And Kobe tells Emily, temperature isn't just anybody. He's his friend and he told Emily about him. Temperature is smiling. He looks pleased that Emily is pissed and that Kobe betrayed her trust to tell him about the pregnancy. Emily lets Kobe know this is messed up and she leaves the room and Temperature lets Kobe know it's okay. Emily says she was clear with Kobe that no one should know about the pregnancy. So Kobe telling Temperature is making her really uneasy because that's a huge violation of their trust. She says it's hard to marry somebody that she can't even trust. Next up are Bilal and Shida. Bilal and Shida have just 10 days to wed and Shida has the OCD routine down. 
She's fluffing and chopping the decorative throw pillows and she's lighting candles in the living room. Shida says they are days away from the wedding, but right now she and Bilal are at odds. No way. Imagine that. These two are always at odds about something. When were they ever just fine and chill and happy? And Bilal set the tone with the prank he decided to pull right when Shida stepped off her airplane. The prenup is still undecided, so it hasn't been easy for Shida. Shida is looking for advice, so she invited Bilal's mom over. Bilal's mom got a call from Bilal saying that Shida wanted to talk with her, and so Bilal's mom thinks Shida is feeling anxiety and uncertainty. She thinks Shida feels a lack of security, and as if she is walking on less solid ground. Shida tells Bilal's mom it's been a roller coaster of ups and downs with Bilal. Shida wishes she and Bilal could come to a place where they are at peace. Shida tells Bilal's mom she has a lot of experience when it comes to marriage because she was married to Bilal's dad for a lifetime. Shida wants to be married for a very long time, so she wants his mom's advice. Bilal's mom thinks Shida is on the right path. When you realize marriage is not perfect, it's two imperfect people holding on to each other and not letting go. Shida says that's the type of relationship that she wants and it doesn't come overnight, but it has been her relationship ideal. Shida tells her soon-to-be mother-in-law that she knows Bilal has those qualities, but she also feels like part of that business persona he has is in their relationship. Shida explains she is from the old school point of view. When you're married, you're married. You don't protect yourself because you don't look at your partner like a suspect. Bilal's mom asks if they're talking about the prenup now, and Shida confirms. Bilal's mom says Shida is feeling that a prenup is saying, you don't trust me, and Shida says yes, that's how she feels. Bilal's mom explains, when you come into an agreement, Allah teaches them to put it in writing. And Shida agrees. A prenup isn't about God. Bilal's mom can use her religion as a way to make it acceptable to Shida, but she is coming into a situation where Bilal has kids. All he is trying to do is protect his assets for his kids. And Shida also has a right to make the prenup fair for her and to make those amendments that she wanted so she is protected as well should shit hit the fan. Why can't she amend the prenup and present it to Bilal and just sign the damn thing so she gets her kids by whatever age she wants in her business and he gets to protect his money he made pre-Shida for his kids? I don't think this should be this complicated. It's not about Bilal not trusting her, and I don't think the initial prenup was fair for Shida, and she should fix it so she can survive if she and Bilal were to divorce, while still allowing Bilal's kids to be protected. This isn't about trust at all. This is about common sense. And you can have a storybook love, and years later, people can develop in different directions and part ways. This is just an agreement in place should that occur. Shida is taking it way too personally, like Bilal personally doesn't trust her, when I don't think that's the case. I'm glad she got a lawyer and amended things to protect herself too. I would never get married without a prenup, no matter how much I love and trust a person. It's not about trust, 
It's just a protection in place. So if things happen to go sour, everyone gets what they agreed to. I wouldn't enter a marriage any other way. Storybook romances don't exist. It's very childish to believe your whole relationship will be an easy, perfect storybook love in the honeymoon phase for life. That's not how it is. Realistically, relationships are give and take and a hell of a lot of compromise and effort. I think Bilal is not my cup of tea, but also Shida has unrealistic expectations. She thinks in an immature manner like an 18-year-old about love when she is damn near 40, and some of that feels just a little bit immature or an immature mindset. Bilal's mom explains it's not a lack of trust. When it comes to trust, she asks, what does trust really mean? She says trust means different things to different people. She says some people will say, I will trust you until you show me that I can't trust you. And some people will say, you have to show me before I can trust you. And neither way is right or wrong, she says. It's just how the person feels. Bilal's mom explains to Shida that it took Bilal a very long time to open up his heart because he had been so hurt so he has opened up his heart to let Shida in. And with that, he let in fears of her leaving as well. So these are triggers for Bilal. Bilal's mom says Allah has put the man as the head of the family. I don't believe the man should be classified as the head of the family. It needs to be a partnership 100% with the husband and wife where they both are side by side in leading the family together and they each compromise. I don't believe the man should ever be classified as the head of the family. It definitely needs to be a partnership with the husband and wife where they compromise and they make every choice together with both people's voices holding the same amount of weight and mattering equally. Every choice should be made together. I don't think the man is the head of the family. The man and the woman should both lead together in my opinion. If my husband wants something one way and I don't, I would compromise and expect him to compromise as well, but I would never just follow their lead because they are the head of the family. This idea that men should lead, I don't agree with at all. Bilal's mom says the man leads and the women follow, but there are ways women can lead from behind. No, a woman should be at their husband's side leading together with him. This leading from behind, in my opinion, is utter bullshit. It's very old school and it's a very old school type of mentality that I disagree with. Bilal's mom tells Shida to always leave Bilal with his manhood as the head, the man. She says the male is sometimes not as tactful, but when you are in a leadership position, it's not a dictator. She has tried to teach all of her sons to be strong and yet tender. She says if it gets to the back and forth, there are no winners, and women have to learn that being right is not the most important thing. She asks if being right will matter five years from now. She says Bilal wants peace and comfort. Bilal's mom advises Shida that if she knows she has a good man, she should figure out how to make it work and bring in the peace. Shida tells Bilal's mom that everything she said makes her feel she is doing the opposite of what she should do. When it comes to trying to be right, there are things she needs to let go. 
Shida starts sobbing and Bilal's mom tells her it shows how much she really cares and it's okay. Bilal's mom tells Shida she knows Bilal thinks the world of her. He's told his mom that many times, but he is still guarded. Bilal's mom says she doesn't feel Bilal is as guarded as he was just two years ago. And each day their love will grow and Bilal's love for Shida will grow. Shida says she got super emotional because she knows she and Bilal haven't been having the right conversations. They've been bickering and fighting and she feels the possibility of Bilal's heart closing is huge right now. It would pain Shida greatly to know she was the demise of their relationship and she doesn't want to be the demise of her relationship. Next up are Patrick and Thais. They've got 10 days to wed. Thais is packing a suitcase. Will she head back home to Brazil or to Orlando, Florida to wed? Thais says two weeks ago, she told her dad she was going to stay in the U.S. and marry Patrick. Her father advised her to go home to Brazil. And since then, she has been confused, sad, and missing her dad and Brazil. Thais is still undecided about marrying Patrick because they still have a lot of problems to solve. And she has been thinking a lot after talking to her dad. Until Thais decides what to do, she is going on a trip with Patrick that he organized by himself as usual, and she is just following him and what he wants to do. She's complaining he organized the trip alone, but does she know enough English to plan it herself? And does she have money to pay for the trip herself? Patrick is paying. It's a free trip for her. She should just be happy to go. She can't pay for it anyway or chip in. And until she can communicate, she can't organize the trip. If Patrick is paying, why should he consult her about where they stay? She isn't paying. She should just be grateful. I have a feeling that Patrick knows if he gives Thais free reign to pick what he books, it will be arguments over stuff he can't afford that is incredibly unreasonable. If she wants to make decisions with Patrick, she needs a job to pay for half, and she also needs to learn English too. There's a week to the wedding, and Patrick says there's a lot of tension since they spoke with Thais's father. Thais and her dad are really close, and the call with Thais's dad was Patrick's worst-case scenario. Knowing that her dad doesn't like him, Patrick feels he is starting off with a huge deficit. Her dad doesn't want them getting married, and he wants Thais to return to Brazil. Patrick is now in survival mode because he knows one night Thais could just decide to pack her bags and leave. He knows she's a flight risk. Thais feels nervous, anxious, and worried. She still doesn't know if she will return to Dallas, married or not, or even at all. She doesn't know still. She has no idea what she wants to do. Thais and Patrick go to Boston. Thais will meet Patrick's sister, Tiffany, and Patrick's mom. They aren't that close, but lately the family is getting closer. Patrick says his mom has cancer, so her mood is up and down but she's very excited to meet Thais. Before the pandemic, they found out that his mom had lung cancer and the doctors say she has less than a year to live. 
So Patrick and his mom have had periods where they haven't spoken, but now they've talked about their issues and they've both forgiven each other. Patrick told Thais about his mom's cancer when they first met, and Thais was shocked by the news and she was sad about it. So Thais feels very grateful to meet her, but she also feels a lot of pressure because if she decides not to marry Patrick, she will also break his mom's heart. Patrick's sister has a huge black eye and she says she fell on the ice and hit her face. Patrick's mom asks if Thais's family is happy that she and Patrick are getting married and she smiles and says yes. But Patrick tells them the truth that Thais's dad wants her to go back to Brazil and Thais's dad doesn't like him at all. Thais explains her dad doesn't like that Patrick is an American and he wants her to go home and find a Brazilian man close to home. Patrick's mom says it didn't work that way and it doesn't matter where either of them are from, they love each other. And Thais says she wishes her dad understood that. Patrick says it's hard introducing his mom to Thais, knowing they might not have the happy ending she wants for them. There's just a week to the wedding and Thais still isn't sure about getting married. Patrick never imagined their relationship going this way. Next up are Eve and Muhammad. Muhammad is doing his prayers at the house. I love how he's a hypocrite who wants Eve to live by his cultural standards and he insists if they have a kid, it must be Muslim. Yet he cherry picks which parts of his religion he himself will follow and he has absolutely no problem having premarital sex, living with Eve and sleeping in her bed each night when that's a big no-no in that faith. Eve and Muhammad have 37 days to wed. Muhammad says he and Eve have been dealing with so many arguments about the cultural differences in the last few weeks. Muhammad says between Eve's inappropriate friends fighting about the wedding day and her strange fire ceremony, it makes him nervous that maybe this won't work out. Muhammad wants to talk to his family to get him through this because they care about him and his happiness and they care that he is comfortable in his life. Muhammad FaceTimes his mom and grandma. Muhammad says he and Eve are good, but Eve is busy with work and she has been from the moment he arrived. His mom asks Muhammad if he has felt comfortable since he has been in the U.S. Muhammad has a strong relationship with his mom, but he usually just tells her everything is okay so she doesn't worry about him. So he hasn't reached out to his mom too much since he's been in the U.S. Muhammad tells his mom there is a cultural difference as she knows, so he wants to know her opinions. Muhammad asks his mom if Eve should wear clothes like Egyptian women or not. Fuck that. Listen, he is in America. Muhammad's mom and Muhammad obviously have no business to instruct Eve to dress any differently than she does or to dress like an Egyptian woman. That's to make them feel comfortable. That would be utter bullshit. But luckily, Muhammad's mom is a hero. She explains that Eve lives in a different place and they cannot force Eve or impose their traditions on her. Wow. 
I'm surprised by this. Finally, someone reasonable is talking to Muhammad, and I wasn't expecting this. Let's hope Muhammad listens to his precious mother. Furthermore, his mom tells him that he has to adapt himself to the new environment he is in. Wow, finally. Muhammad's mom tells him to let Eve do what she wants one by one, and Eve will understand the situation. Muhammad's mom warns Muhammad, don't try to control Eve. And she tells him to try to adjust himself in a nice way without being grumpy. Muhammad asks his mom if she thinks he is grumpy. And his mom says, absolutely. Wow, I'm super impressed by Muhammad's mom and I wasn't expecting this. What a pleasant surprise. Muhammad is amazed by what his mom said and that she is completely on Eve's side. Muhammad didn't expect that. He doesn't agree with his mom, but what she tells him matters to him. Muhammad says his mom has experience, and he believes in her experience. Muhammad's mom tells Muhammad to try not to upset Eve. She tells her son Eve is a good and kind woman, and Muhammad says he knows she is very good. She suggests Muhammad try not to get himself in trouble by expressing his opinions. Wow, this is so satisfying to watch and I wasn't expecting Muhammad's mom to be so wonderful and to have Eve's back at all. Muhammad says he's a Muslim man and he isn't going to change. He's afraid if he doesn't accept Eve for who she is, she won't be happy with him. Muhammad asks, what about his happiness and feeling comfortable in his life? Muhammad doesn't know what to do. Next up are Miona and Jibri. They've got just three days to wed. Jibri explains it took a week after talking to his parents to figure everything out. It's been difficult with him and his mother. They have been avoiding each other since that last conversation. Today is moving day. Jibri and Miona are staying at a rental home in Joshua Tree that will also serve as their wedding venue. They don't have much time left, so they are driving to Joshua Tree, and that will take at least a day. Miona has a huge smile. She can't hold back the joy that she and Jibri are finally moving out. She's really happy. I haven't seen her this happy on the show. Miona thinks distance between herself and Jibri and Jibri's family is a good thing. Jibri says it's hard to say goodbye to his mom because he is a mama's boy and tomorrow isn't promised. Jibri loves his mom and he thinks sometimes there is love lost when you marry a significant other that your parent doesn't approve of. Jibri says he's not marrying his parents, he's marrying Miona. Jibri hopes his parents will pop up and surprise him at the wedding. Jibri's dad says there are certain milestones in a person's life that are important, and he thinks rushing into this ceremony in Joshua Tree means you lose some of that connection and some of that relationship and some trust even. Jibri's mom says Jibri can be impulsive with some of his decisions. And when we act impulsively, there are consequences. Mahala says she and Brian not being able to go to Jibri's wedding is a painful consequence of impulsiveness. 
Mahala says they want their son to be happy and they want Miona to be happy. They want to be a part of this really important day for them and they can't. Ryan thinks Jibri wanted his parents there and he is feeling sadness and anxiety and nervousness around Miona and Jibri driving off. He isn't feeling as comfortable with the relationship and he doesn't feel that the relationship is strong or that it's where it needs to be for such a big commitment. Mahala feels nervous about them starting out. Next up are Emily and Kobe. They've got just four days to wed. Emily and her sister sit to talk. And Emily explains she and Kobe had a lot to do for their wedding over the weekend. But Kobe chose to instead hang out with temperature. Both Emily and her sister Madeline roll their eyes about temperature. Madeline says temperature came in hot. And Emily says temperature was going off and she wondered what he was even talking about because Kobe doesn't act like he wears the pants in the relationship at all. Madeline says it was straight misogyny. She agrees. Kobe doesn't act like he wears the pants. Emily tells her sister temperature is advising Kobe he better wear the pants. And Emily felt temperature better chill out because the pants don't fit Kobe. Emily tells her sister temperature is nice, but he should shut up. He doesn't know how American women are and he has never dated an American woman. Temperature's attitude and ridiculous misogynistic notions, no American woman would want him. Madeline asks if Emily thinks temperature is really influencing Kobe. And Emily does think so. It bothers her that temperature is in Kobe's ear because it's important that she and Kobe are on the same page about their life and their future together. Emily mentions how now, all of a sudden, they are moving to Ohio, which they aren't. And Emily's sister asks if Kobe has ever brought that up before. Emily says Kobe brought up visiting Ohio, but not moving there. Then Temperature told Kobe he moved there from Africa straight to Ohio, and he's doing well there. There's a big African community. So Kobe should go there with his family. Emily says Temperature is crazy. Emily feels like Kobe was venting about her to Temperature, just like she does, about Kobe to her sister. And Temperature is telling Kobe she is this American chick who has no idea Emily asks if Kobe thinks he will get married and all of a sudden wear the pants. Madeline says Kobe isn't like that and Emily wonders what happens after they sign those papers. Emily's sister says after the lunch with temperature, it's bubbled up some concerns with who Kobe really is and what his feelings are about marriage and what role Emily plays in the marriage and in Kobe's future. Emily's sister says it was eye-opening to talk to Temperature and hear even Kobe speak up and defend Temperature. Some of his misogynistic claims. Emily's sister is nervous for Emily. Emily says Temperature came and put all of these ideas in Kobe's head. Emily's sister agrees that Temperature was stirring the pot. Emily says things could change. She wonders what if Kobe gets his green card and he says now 
he is really in charge. Thais and Patrick are up next. They have seven days to wed. And Thais is meeting with Patrick's sister to go dress shopping. Thais says after meeting Patrick's family, his sister offered to go with Thais to look at wedding dresses. Thais has been so unsure about things lately, so the wedding dress hasn't been her priority. And Thais isn't the kind of person who thinks about wedding dresses all the time. But she thinks this is a nice gesture from Patrick's sister, Tiffany. Thais is grateful for the opportunity to meet Patrick's family, but she misses her family. She misses being independent, like she was in Brazil. She misses her friends. She misses her life in Brazil. Her life in Brazil was totally different. Patrick's sister is excited to spend quality time with Thais to get to know her and see what her true intentions are. Patrick's sister says his last divorce really set Patrick back in life, and she doesn't want to see him go through that. Patrick's sister's biggest fear is a baby being involved and Thais taking that child back to Brazil because she still needs to make sure Thais is right for Patrick, and she needs to make sure that Thais does really love him. As Patrick's big sister, she needs to ask Thais some questions. She asks Thais what she loves about her brother and why she wants to be with him. Thais says Patrick has a big heart and she loves him and that's why she's here. Patrick's sister tells Thais she is taking a risk by coming to the U.S. And Patrick is also taking a risk. So she wants to make sure they are both aware of that. In confessional, Thais says... Tiffany seems like a nice person, but Thais doesn't know if she should share all of her concerns with Tiffany. Thais knows Tiffany wants to see her brother happy. Thais explains to Tiffany that all relationships have problems. And in Brazil, Patrick was different. In the U.S., he changed. Tiffany tells Thais she doesn't want Patrick going through the heartache and the divorce Again, Thais explains to Tiffany that she doesn't plan on getting married to get divorced. And she says that would be horrible. In confessional, Thais says it's difficult because she should be excited to find her wedding dress. But she keeps thinking, what if she really does this? And what if something bad happens? What if they get married and then they get divorced? She thinks then her dad would be right and she would be wrong. Thais finds a dress and it is beautiful and it fits her perfectly. Thais says in confessional, she sees this dress. It's perfect for her and she sees herself getting married in it. But she still isn't sure she is going to get married to Patrick. She says she will follow her heart, but she doesn't know what she will do. Next up are Shida and Bilal. They've got just 10 days to wed. And Shida is aggressively chopping onions with a cleaver in a weird way. And Bilal tells her he thinks she's going to hurt herself. Shida takes out frozen fish and Bilal lets her know it needs to be thawed first. Shida says she is just going to soak the fish in water to thaw it. And Bilal says it's frozen solid. And he asks why Shida just took it out of the freezer so late. Shida explains she started cooking late because his mom was over and Bilal asks how it went. 
Shida says she got emotional and teary, and she wonders if his mom is wondering what is happening with her. Shida thinks Bilal's mom spoke to her soul. She hit where it hurts, and someone had to say the things she said to her. Bilal says it sounds like Shida got some words of wisdom. Shida says Bilal's mom said she has to know when to be submissive and when to express herself. Shida tells Bilal she wants to have a relationship where she knows when to submit to him and when to be submissive rather than firing back. That's all Bilal says. Shida thinks that goes for Bilal too when he fires back at what she says. Shida tells Bilal she feels she has been very strong-minded and she blames that on being single for so long and not having to compromise or share anything. So now Shida has agreed on the prenup because she feels they have been so back and forth that it has caused friction in the relationship. So she is willing to submit. Shida says before she was feeling so naked, she needed security. And Bilal says, thinking about what he looks for in a potential spouse, he wouldn't necessarily say it's to submit because they submit to God. But it was that Shida came to a point where she was willing to be open and Bilal thinks that's how you can have a beautiful marriage and be able to communicate and listen effectively. Bilal tells Shida he 100% sees where she is coming from and he also wants Shida to see where he is coming from and it's not a way to say he won't take care of her. He's proven that he continually will take care of Shida. The prenup is just a way to say, can I protect myself as well too and protect what I have? Bilal is fine with whatever Shida wants to do as far as the yoga stuff. He's willing to invest in Shida financially and time-wise to get her business booming in the States. It doesn't have to be in the prenup, Bilal says, but they can put it in there for sure if Shida wants it. Shida says it seems like she is taking Bilal's mom's advice when she told her to allow the man to lead as the woman leads from behind. Shida says just by her saying she will sign the prenup no matter what and not demanding what she wants to put in the prenup, Bilal offered to put it in there anyways. So in her mind, Shida looks at it as him being the head and her the neck. She says she will allow him to lead and there will still be a way where she will be in control. Shida explains to Bilal she just wants something that belongs to her. Shida also wants to add to the prenup having a child before she turns 40. Bilal says some people can try to have children, but it still takes time. Shida understands that this is beyond their control. But she wants Bilal to have that same eagerness to have a child that she does. And Bilal says he guesses so. Shida says, I guess so isn't enough. She needs an answer. She says they are days away from getting married. And I guess so isn't an answer. It's yes or no. That she wants a child before turning 40. And she wants to be sure they are both on the same page when it comes to having kids. Shida wants to see it in writing as well. Bilal agrees to it. Bilal says the fact that Shida is willing to sign the prenup, even though she didn't want to, 
That means that she is willing to compromise. And Bilal is also definitely willing to compromise. So he is 100% in tune with putting whatever she wants in the prenup. Bilal doesn't think right now is the best time to have a child. Bilal has concerns about having children too early because it can be too much on the relationship, especially with Shida being new to the country. But Bilal will do whatever it takes to not lose Shida. Next up are Eve and Muhammad. They've got just 23 days to wed. Muhammad has thought about his mom's advice to be more open to understanding Eve's culture, but it's not easy for him. Eve and Muhammad go to dinner, and Eve isn't intending to get wine, but she is just checking out the menu. Eve says the last few weeks have been tense. Feels like everything she has done lately has been wrong or not up to Muhammad's approval. Like the fire ceremony. It's a huge part of who Eve is, and it makes Eve question whether she and Muhammad should proceed with getting married and they don't have much time to figure it out. Eve tells Muhammad she hopes for the future, if things happen as intensely as they have been, that they can work through these things in an easier, more open way. Muhammad says they are learning still, and no one is perfect, and if they learn their lessons, they will never have these issues again. Eve says Muhammad always has her back. Even being a world away from her, he still always supported her, and she wants to feel that way again. Muhammad asks if now Eve doesn't feel that way anymore, and Eve says she wasn't feeling that lately. Eve asks Muhammad if he thinks that he is okay with handling her. Eve asks Muhammad if he thinks they are just too different, being that they are so different religion-wise and culturally. Eve thinks Muhammad had some sense knowing what she was doing on a daily basis, but now Muhammad is living with her for real. He is living in America, living this life. Muhammad says in the U.S., everyone is different, so it doesn't matter. Everyone practices the religion they want. Muhammad tells Eve he understands. Muhammad says his mom's advice helped him to open his eyes that in marriage, it's important to compromise. He lived his entire life in Egypt, and he says it's very hard for anybody to switch to another culture, and it takes time to adjust. Muhammad says he loves Eve so much, and if they don't find a middle ground about culture, there will be no more days. It will just be done. Muhammad tells Eve they should forget about what happened and start over. Eve wants to know that they can get through things together in the best way possible, because life is stressful enough. Eve is taken aback because for the first time, Muhammad is being very objective about their differences. Eve thinks Muhammad is trying to be more understanding, but it's hard because Eve still feels very guarded. Muhammad says there is a beautiful view outside that he wants to show Eve. He takes her to the fire pit and he gives her a very awkward kiss. And Muhammad tells Eve, he brought her out there because he brought her flowers that are just laying outside next to the fire pit as a surprise. Muhammad gets down on one knee with a ring and he proposes. And Eve starts crying and she says, yes, of course. And she tells Muhammad she loves him and he's the love of her life. I still think Muhammad just wants the green card. 
Eve says Muhammad completely surprised her and she feels amazing. This is exactly how she wanted to feel heading into her wedding. She wanted just pure love and feeling secure in her decisions and this upbeat feeling of excitement. Eve is ready to become a wife. Muhammad asks what Eve thinks about all the fires. He says he did that just for her. And Eve asks if Muhammad is going to make a wish. Eve wishes that she hopes they can continue to grow together and figure out their differences and that they can be able to have an amazing future. Eve thanks Muhammad for coming across the world to be with her. Muhammad makes his wish, but not near the fire. He prays and looks up to the sky and he says he hopes God gives them happiness in their life and that they will be together and have a good future. In my opinion, Eve loves the fantasy in her mind of being swept away in a fairy tale. And now Muhammad is giving her that and pretending to compromise. But let's see Muhammad's behavior when he gets the green card. In my opinion, uh, when people show you who they are, believe them. But now because Muhammad's behavior goes along with the fairy tale in Eve's mind of what she wanted, she's sold hook, line, and sinker. And she completely lets go of all the past behaviors. But I doubt Muhammad will change or compromise or any of this bullshit. Muhammad asks Eve if she forgives him about the two months of stress. And Eve forgives him. Muhammad also forgives Eve. For what? What did she do wrong? Absolutely nothing. Muhammad and Eve. Three. This is a new chapter. I think that was just the first cycle and it will be on to the next and they will go through the same cycle over and over. Next up are Miona and Jibri. They have just two days to wed. Miona is happy. They are going to Joshua Tree. She says it seems nice and artistic with a different kind of people than she saw in Rapid City. Jibri says getting to California and moving out of his parents' house has hit him that this is serious and he is about to get married. It's a big deal. Miona hopes the weather is good at Joshua Tree since it's raining. Jibri asks Miona, what if it's raining like today? Miona doesn't even want to think about it. She hopes it won't rain. She says if there's a little sprinkle, she doesn't mind. Jibri asks, what if it is full out raining like it is right now? He says he knows it's uncommon for California, but Miona doesn't want to even think about it. When she rented the place in the desert, she never expected to have bad weather conditions. So seeing that it rains worries her, but she isn't going to manifest anything bad. She is trying to be positive. She hopes there is sunshine and that it's not wet. She hopes the weather will be dry tomorrow. Next up are Emily and Kobe. Kobe, who was once afraid of horses, knows the horse Trix by name and he feeds her very sweetly and he pets her. And Kobe and Emily have just two days to the wedding. The wedding is this weekend and Emily's head is all over the place. The wedding has been a big distraction and Emily wants to enjoy their wedding day but temperature has gotten into Kobe's head about being the man and about trying to take control of everything. And it's been confusing knowing that maybe Kobe isn't happy in Kansas. So it's something she and Kobe have to talk about. Emily finds Kobe's iPad and she is pissed because she saw on the screen that Kobe was looking at 
one bedroom apartments in Ohio, which is confusing to Emily. Emily knows temperature lives in Ohio, but Emily wonders about if Kobe thinks he is moving to Ohio or if he thinks he's moving by himself or if he's moving himself, Emily and their son to a one bedroom apartment in Ohio. Emily finds Kobe in the stables and she lets him know she came across the iPad search for the one bedroom apartments in Ohio. And Kobe asks, what's wrong with that? And Emily says she didn't search for that. So she wondered why he was searching for one bedroom apartments right before they get married. Kobe asks in the first place why Emily even went into his iPad. Kobe says he wasn't searching. He just had a conversation with Temperature and he was considering moving to Ohio. And Temperature sent Kobe the link. Emily tells Kobe they aren't moving to Ohio. She's pregnant and they have Coben and she isn't comfortable moving away from her family. Kobe says they're all in America still. And Emily makes clear they aren't moving to Ohio. She doesn't want to do it. Kobe suggests they can talk about it later. And Emily says no. She wants to resolve this quickly. Emily tells Kobe he never told her about Ohio before. Kobe says he was just checking out the link Temperature sent him. Emily asks why Temperature would send Kobe a one-bedroom apartment. Emily says Temperature wants Kobe to move there. He never said he wanted all of them to move to Ohio. Kobe looks caught with his hand in the cookie jar. I almost feel like Kobe planned to possibly move to Ohio on his own since he thinks they would all live in America. And that's why maybe it was a one bedroom. Kobe tells Emily to come on. He says he wants to move out of there, but he wants her to know he never wants to move without her or the kids with him. Emily tells Kobe temperature is working in Ohio and Kobe can't even work yet. So they aren't moving anywhere. They just aren't. Kobe says, okay. And he says, Emily makes a big deal out of nothing. In confessional, Kobe says in talking with temperature, some of the advice he gave Kobe was that there is a huge Cameroonian community in Ohio and his friends there can help Kobe to get a job. So Kobe is looking at the bigger picture to be able to provide for his family. Bothers Kobe is he feels he is sacrificing a lot because he has to let go of almost every decision and almost everything that he wants. He has to make sure that everything suits Emily and it's hard for him. Kobe says this relationship will never work for him if he's the only one making compromises. Emily insists to Kobe they aren't moving to Ohio and she suggests they don't bring it up again. Kobe agrees. Emily wants to believe that Kobe is totally committed and devoted to her and their family. But at the same time, with everything she has learned with meeting temperature, like how they view women and the gender roles in their culture, it worries Emily if she will see more of this Kobe after they get married. Emily loves Kobe, but these are not the conversations they should be having two days before they get married. Back to Kara and Guillermo. Kara thinks Guillermo makes her better and nicer, and it's all she could ever ask for. 
They have their ceremony. Guillermo says Kara is his dream. He might not have the venue he would love to have, and maybe he doesn't have his family with him at his wedding, but Kara is his dream. Kara says next up for them as a couple is Guillermo's adjustment of status and enjoying life together, owning a home and vacations. Guillermo says the next step is to make some kids. Kara says not today. Kara feels there are a lot of areas in their lives they need to work on before they bring kids into the situation. Guillermo feels ready and Kara doesn't, but Guillermo suggests they can practice and Kara is good with that. Next up are Patrick and Thais. They've got just seven days to wed and they are meeting Patrick's sister and mom and family friend for dinner. Patrick wants Thais and Tiffany to bond like sisters. He wants Thais to know she has family here and she didn't just move to the U.S. with only Patrick for support. Tiffany asks Thais if she misses home and Thais says yes. She's homesick. In her country, she knows everyone in her city. She has a lot of friends back home. And here, all she has is Patrick. Tiffany spent a lot of time with Thais today, but she still feels she hasn't figured Thais out yet. Tiffany feels when Thais answers her questions, it's always very vague. Tiffany thinks Thais is very young and she still has a lot of maturing to do. The fact that Patrick and Thais are getting married next week concerns her. She thinks Patrick is ready, but she doesn't know if Thais might be ready to get married, let alone moving to another country. Tiffany asks if Thais feels at home in Dallas and if Thais can make Dallas her home, and Thais thinks so. Patrick's mom hopes so if they start to have a family because a lot of it is maturity, and she asks if Thais is mature enough to be able to live here and to be with Patrick and have a family with Patrick and her own life. Patrick says his mom has zero filter and she can be very direct. Patrick remembers when he was a little kid, he would bring home art and she would ask, what the hell is that when he was 10 years old? Patrick is worried about how Thais will deal with that side of his mom. Patrick's mom tells Thais she knows about Brazil. Brazil has its promises for family, but there's not much economical balance there. Patrick says it wouldn't make sense to raise their kids in Brazil. Patrick's mom tells Thais she isn't running away to Brazil with a baby. She jokes she would follow Thais all the way there. She says her grandchild will live in America. Thais says in confessional, if she and Patrick get married, they will talk about having children, but she doesn't believe it will be easy to raise their kids far away from home. Thais feels like she is hopeless. She can't do anything. She says it seems like she does not have a voice and people try to tell her what to do. The family friend couldn't imagine being in Thais's shoes where everything is family oriented and hands on back home. And she asks how Thais is going to be able to handle having a child and not having her parents there in the U.S. Thais says she doesn't know. She has no idea. And Patrick says when Thais gets her paperwork and she can travel, then they will go to Brazil and visit a lot because Patrick gets how hard that is and he knows how close Thais is with her dad. Patrick's mom asks if Thais's dad 
doesn't like her being here and if that makes it harder for Thais to be here. And Thais says yes, for sure. Patrick's mom tells Thais, when you get older in your life, your father and mother aren't going to be her main relationships anymore because Thais will need to have a relationship with a man. So this relationship with Patrick will be taking over the relationship Thais had with her father. Tiffany tells Thais she thinks Thais doesn't want to be here in the U.S. She's just here for Patrick. And she tells Thais she seems like she would rather be in Brazil than in the U.S. Tiffany asks Thais if she is sure she wants to live here. And Thais says she isn't sure. Patrick's mom tells Thais Patrick is not going to move to Brazil permanently. So Thais has a hard decision to make. Patrick's mom asks Patrick if he finds it scary that Thais could go back to Brazil with him still in the U.S. Patrick's mom has to leave because her oxygen is running low. She apologizes, but she doesn't have any more batteries. Patrick's mom says she doesn't think that they are ready to get married, and she thinks Thais, deep down, doesn't want to marry Patrick. She thinks Thais is doing this because she doesn't want to make things bad for Patrick by not marrying him. Patrick's mom has been married four times, and she thinks Patrick has taken after her. Next time on 90 Day Fiancé, Shida is polishing things like Cinderella in the living room, and Bilal's sister calls her up to try on her wedding dress that is ready. Shida finally gets to see the wedding dress that Bilal's sister made her by hand. Shida sees it and she tells his sister this is not the style that she sent her. That dress obviously isn't Shida's size. Looking at it on the hanger, it looks like a size 18 or 20 that a larger woman would wear. So I think that Bilal's sister is just tricking Shida just like Bilal did with the house. At least I hope so because this dress looks like something a great grandma would wear. Shida says it's an old lady dress. It's a hideous dress. And Shida tells Bilal's sister the dress is atrocious. She's being rude as fuck if this is the actual dress. And the sister handmade it. I'd say thank you. Behave graciously in front of the sister who made it. I wouldn't act openly pissed. And I would appreciate the effort. But I would probably find another dress and wear that. But I wouldn't tell her things like, it's not what I sent you rudely, and I wouldn't say this is atrocious. Bilal's sister says sometimes the customers don't really know what they want. I totally think Shida is being punked again, and she has a spoiled attitude. If someone made something, just say thank you and find a different dress, but don't be nasty to the person who went out of their way. But I truly believe Shida is being punked by Bilal's sister. Thais and Patrick are on a boat and Thais says it's hard for her to be at a party not knowing if the wedding is going to happen or not. Thais doesn't want to hurt Patrick, but her dad's opinion is more important to her marrying Patrick. The family member of Patrick's that Thais is talking to suggests if Thais is going to break it off, she should just do it now. It's Ari and Binny's wedding and Binny's family is watching the wedding Benny is standing in the temple waiting for Ari to arrive. He can't wait to see his future wife. Benny is waiting nervously for his bride. Jibri FaceTimes his mom and he tells her 
he is going to get married and the only thing missing is her. Jibri asks if he could just get her a quick air ticket tonight. He wishes his mom would say his parents decided they would do whatever it takes to be there at his wedding. And her friend are getting their nails done. And her friend asks Eve if she has gotten cold feet. She says there have been so many flags that have popped up. And Eve says she literally has frigid feet with all of the red flags. Her friend says, with all the red flags, this isn't going to work. And her friend tells Eve she was a runaway bride before and that that option is always available. She tells Eve to choose what is in her highest and best. Kobe and Emily are talking and Emily tells Kobe, all of these things are just coming out of the woodwork and she wonders where they are coming from. Kobe says he's left friends and family and he fought to be here and she still doubts him. Kobe says he tried everything, but he isn't himself. Take this shit anymore. Kobe tells Emily if she can't trust him on the eve of their wedding, fuck off. And he walks out. Temperature is a shit stir big time and his interference may cause the wedding not to happen. I think temperature has a thing for Kobe. It's very weird for a man's friend to directly get involved in his relationship. Wow. That does it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week. Bye.